0: Welcome back, folks, to the second episode of the Ronin Rabbit. I would like to thank those of you that have listened to the first episode for tuning in a second time. And for those of you that this is your first episode, thank you very much for checking out the second episode. Good timing, because you only have one other episode to listen to, and you'll be completely caught up, which is kind of a cool thing for us comic book fans. We kind of get into continuity and all that stuff. My name's Ed Moore. Um, typically, on the internet, when it comes to comic books, you can also find me using the, uh, shall we say, nom de plume of Miskatonic. Otherwise, you'll just find me as Ed Moore. That's what I am on Facebook. Do want to open up first of all with our first piece of feedback here on the Reader Feed website, which is the home site for the podcast. Mr. Steve Hubble left us a comment. Steve says, very cool podcast. I, for one, am looking forward to listening to many more episodes. It will be very interesting to explore each and all of the stories in the new light of your podcast. Also, thanks for posting a link on the Usagi Yojimbo Dojo Facebook group's wall. And I hope you will feel free to post additional links to each new episode as they become available. Thanks again, Steve. Well, Steve, thank you very much for listening to the podcast, uh, for giving me the okay to go ahead and, and post further links. I do have to admit I, I took a chance by posting it that first time. I was hoping that it would be positively received, but there's always a chance that it wouldn't be, so I, I appreciate that nod that it's okay to go ahead and, and post more, hopefully make it a little bit easier for other fellow Usagi fans to, to find the podcast. Thank you very much also for the kind words. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you did enjoy it. Next thing I, I want to throw out there real quick is a, a correction to something I said in the first episode. In referring to the Stan Sakai character of Lord Hikiji, I made mention that I was of the opinion that that was a nod to the actor Date Masamuni, Uh, If I am pronouncing that right, I hopefully am. If not, I apologize. In light of fact, Date Masamuni was a real-life historical figure, not not an actor. So I I did want to make that corrections. And by all means, anyone that's listening, if they hear me say other things that aren't, uh, to your recollection, to your knowledge, completely accurate, leave me some feedback. I'll be more than happy to make those corrections. I by no means assume that I am a, an expert on hardly any of this that I'm saying, except probably my name. I'm positive about that, but otherwise I'm, I'm sure I'm more than fallible. Okay, the um, story for this episode is Lone Rabbit and Child. It first appeared in Thoughts and Images' albedo book, Volume 1, Issue 3, that first was published in April of 1985. The characters that uh, form the the main cast of this story are the what appears to be female samurai, Tomo Ami. She, by the way, having discussed in the previous episode the um, anthropomorphic characters of the setting and and the way Stan Sakai does things. Uh, She is drawn as a cat. She's uh, in the company throughout the story with Lord Noriyuki, who is a juvenile panda. We are introduced to the Nico Ninja Clan, who apparently, at least those members that are uh, sent against Usagi in this story, appear to be feline in appearance. Mentioned last Episode and in this episode, this issue, this uh, story that we're talking about here, Lord Hikiji, he is the first human that we have seen. He he is portrayed as a human being, and we also have Counselor Hebi, who is a snake, which is very interesting to see a snake drawn and do things with human-like characteristics. Considering snakes have neither arms nor legs, kind of an interesting. uh, uh, technique that, that Stan Sakai has to use there in order to relay that kind of information that is relayed with limbs with a creature that doesn't have any. All right, I uh, do want to throw out there for everybody at this point uh, so that you know this is a spoiler podcast. I'm going to be talking about the stories, the characters, my impressions, what happens, uh, other information that I have found that may apply, so... Uh, there, there really won't be anything left to the imagination, hopefully. Uh, that's that's kind of what I, I hope to do with this show. So, just want to throw that out there to you guys. Also, uh, I do want to apologize. I'm fighting a pretty nasty head cold, and I hope my voice at this point isn't too off putting. I know it's about, oh, I'd say 50 octaves lower than normal. So, all right. So we open the story seeing a a small panda being carried through a battle, uh, probably a retainer of the small panda cub because everyone seems to have the same family crest emblazoned somewhere on their robes. So making the assumption that this is a vassal and the panda is the lord or the son of the lord of this clan. The vassal is trying to escape a battle with the young lord in tow, leaving the rest of their compatriots to fight the battle, Uh, this individual taking it upon themselves to to, uh, save the lord. Further on, we see that it appears to be a female samurai uh, still being pursued by a group of... Uh, We'll just call him Enemy Samurai at this point. The female samurai and the panda cub come upon a a house out in the woods and decide to take shelter there. Well, when they enter, they find that Usagi is there sleeping. And the female samurai attacks Usagi, uh, assuming that he is part of the crew that has been set against them and wanting to dispatch him before he can cause any any harm. Needless to say, uh, Usagi kind of turns the table on her, and before she knows it, she is at a, at a in a disadvantageous position, uh, Usagi having been prepared for her attack. But the young panda lord, who we now see named as Noriyuki, intercedes, asking Usagi to, to spare... His vassal, so now we see that the female samurai is the vassal to this young lord, and the role has kind of turned, and now the young lord is asking is is trying to protect his vassal who has been loyal to him in doing the same thing, trying to protect him uh in the in the stoppage of of the the combat between them uh, the female samurai asks to explain why she did what she did and and she offers that her name is Tomo Ami again I apologize if I'm mispronouncing these names and that the young panda is the lord Horiyuki of the Gaishu clan Uh, this is the remaining heir Noriyuki's father having been killed already and the vassal is attempting to escort Noriyuki to the Geisha clan's remaining mansion in Edo. So there, there's a, a brief explanation from her, and then she mentions that the, the people that they are hiding from, the, the their pursuers, have been sent by Lord Hikiji. And of course, this sparks Usagi's interest because he has his own interest, as we saw in the, the previous story, his own interest in Lord Hikiji. As they're talking, uh, Usagi m- motions them to be quiet and uh, starts to unsheathe his sword, having heard uh, others approaching the shack to, uh, to provide time and space between those approaching and Ami and Noriyuki, Usagi meets those approaching outside. He goes outside the shack in case something happens to kind of draw their attention away. Uh, Being the honorable samurai, at this point, I think it can be assumed that he has, at least for the moment, taken on some responsibility for the protection of these people, particularly if they are being wronged by being pursued by this group, which... Um, Usagi assumes because the group having been dispatched by Lord Hikiji and Usagi already having been betrayed in a way by Lord Hikiji. So he confronts these samurai outside and they um, forcefully through words try to get Usagi to do Their bidding, and and he refuses, a fight ensues at which he dispatches most of them. A couple move around or escape through the throng that is attacking Usagi, approaching the shack, but as soon as they approach the shadow of the interior of the shack, Tomo uh, steps out and dispatches them. So now, having fought this battle, uh, Usagi sees that pursuers are are near that this is a definitely an ongoing kind of, of concern that they should have um, He recommends that they all leave together and proceed on their journey rather than spending any more time here now as as they're traveling they're talking, and uh, I notice something that uh, Stan Sakai is doing, and and I like it, I I hope that it continues through further issues, he will on occasion use a Japanese word, and in the text, immediately following in parentheses, is the English definition or the English uh, translation meaning of that word. And the first word that we see that he throws out and uses here is the word Yojimbo. And the definition that he wants us to have in mind for his usage is bodyguard. So Usagi is as they're traveling uh, Tomo formally requests that Usagi accompany them as a Yojimbo. Now they come to an inn, and against Usagi's best uh, uh, his, his thoughts that they proceed they keep moving towards their goal Tomo probably both herself because of the pursuit but also because she has a a a young child with her in Lord Noriyuki decides to stay at a a nearby inn rather than continuing to move so at the inn Tomo and Usagi uh, work a little bit more on exchanging the facts of who they are and at this time in, in this period of, of uh, Japanese history, one of the things that you did to, to to show who you were, you didn't just use names, you explained a lineage, oddly enough, not necessarily of your family, but a lineage of your training that you have undergone, particularly if you're a samurai. That way you represent the the school... Of training that you have undergone, and a lot of times by extension the lord for which you are a vassal to. So they they go through and and, and they're giving their um, I guess in, in in Middle English you would also you, you would almost call it patents uh, their their family history of their training. We find that Tomo is the daughter of Tatsutaro, who is also the founder of the Falling Rain. School of Swordsmanship, of which she is a practitioner. She doesn't claim any ability in the school, just that she's a practitioner. A little bit about herself, how she became to be a a retainer of the Gaishu clan, and the the relationship between the former Lord Noriyuki, um, not Lord Noriyuki, Lord Gaishu, excuse me, uh, Noriyuki's father, and, and Hikiji, why Hikiji is uh, is so interested in their comings and goings. Uh, next, it's Usagi's turn, and he introduces himself as Miyamoto Usagi, saying that he now is a Ronin and he was trained under the swordmaster Ketsuichi, who uh, did not like the Eight Kyoto. Styles and developed his own technique while living out by himself, and that Usagi is a disciple of that sword technique developed by Katsuishi. Uh, Tomo throws out that, you know, hopefully one day we will be able to uh, duel in a friendly manner and uh, test our metal against each other's training and see which training is the best which is also uh in my experience a a kind of standard methodology of of showing there there was a lot of showing who the best styles were and and it was typically done in competition and then the of course assumption is well the winner has the better style whether it be one-on-one or a tournament or anything and then then a lot of times you will have some modicum of bragging rights in that now you know, you are a practitioner of style A, but you have defeated the best or the best students or, or those that practice style B, C, D, E. You, know, you kind of add it to your pedigree. Usagi goes on that after the death of Katsuishi, his teacher... He became a retainer to uh, a clan that Hikiji turned against at the Battle of Adishigahara, which we were introduced to last episode. And in his description, Usagi introduces us to another word, and that term is Shugyosha, which Stensakai Defines for usage here as a student warrior. So we find out that Usagi doesn't feel that his training is complete, that now that he has no master, which is the accepted definition of a Ronin, he also finds himself to still be a student. And in his adventures and in doing the things that he is doing with the sword, both for pay and and on his own, He is still learning his skills under this Katsuishi style, which is a term that I'm using loosely. Uh, So far, Usagi has not formally named his style. So the night passes uneventfully. They continue on their journey towards Edo, and uh, the it had rained the night before. So they come upon a river and determine that the only way to cross the river, because it's swollen, is is through the ferry. So as they're approaching the ferry, they're waylaid by another band of samurai, presumably sent by Lord Hikiji. Usagi uh, directs Tomo to take Noriyuki on down towards the ferry. He will stand and take care of the samurai. And at this point, Usagi is... uh, outnumbered uh, in, in one drawing, eight to one. So basically, he, he's telling the other two to go on. I'll take care of these, knowing that there's eight men there. That's that's quite uh, quite a lot of, of self-confidence, even for a samurai, I thought. We see Tomo and Yor- Noriyuki heading on down towards the dock. And as they approach the dock, Tomo indicates for the ferryman to cast off. You know, we're almost at the boat we'll jump in the boat and kind of get a head start well as soon as she comes within range of the ferryman the ferryman turns and attacks her uh, apparently a uh, uh, in in the employ of lord hikiji as well usagi has dispatch Uh, again it's still standing at eight samurai so he's dispatched these eight samurai and he notices the sound of battle behind him and he turns and looks and sees that Tomo is attempting to defend herself and Lord Noriyuki from this brigand that was uh, kind of disguising himself as the ferryman so he then turns to, to go down to help her in the ensuing battle she is injured and falls into the river the ferryman imposter turns on Lord Noriyuki, and just as he is about to deliver the killing stroke, Usagi runs through and decapitates him. As soon as Noriyuki can, can regain his bearing, his, his breath from just having almost been killed, he exclaims that Tomo is gone. That something must be done, and he, he attempts to jump into the river after her, but Usagi grabs him. I think this is a, a telling example of the affection that Lord Noriyuki this young cub who realizes that he's in charge, but loves this vassal of his as he would a true family member. I, I thought that that uh, need, that desire to find her immediately was very telling. So Usagi says, no, we can't You know, go in the river. That's, that's too treacherous. We will go downstream on one side of the bank or the other and hope that she has washed up somewhere and we will find her that way. Well, they do, and she has indeed been injured uh, such that something needs to be done quickly by a doctor, a practitioner of medicine, more so than what Usagi has knowledge of, or Tomo will die. So he recognizes... Um, He, being Usagi, recognizes that Tomo is in pretty dire straits at this point. So gathering her up, he he goes to a a little more secluded area. Of course, being out next to a a riverbank is is typically pretty open. Uh, He goes to a more forested area, starts a fire, uh, knowing that he at the very least needs to keep her warm, making the decision that that is more important, and he will bear the consequences of perhaps being found because of the fire again this night passes with, with no instances um, they continue on and come to the town of Narai uh, where in, in, in a uh, prior to really what we see that uh, Mr. Sakai has, has drawn for us they presented Tomo to a doctor she has been worked on she is resting healing uh, in an inn and Usagi is is basically kicked back and kind of resting, but also watching over her to, to uh, make sure that nothing happens, still aware that Tomo and Noriyuki are being pursued. Of course, they've been waylaid several times at this point, so there's no doubt that somebody wants to do them harm enough, you know, kill them. So as he's kind of watching over her quietly, Tomo awakens and she awakens in such a way that mentally she is still where she was the last time she was conscious and so that was protecting Lord Norayuki so she awakes with a start and is very concerned about where he is is he safe the river and, and all this um, I'm sure a lot of us have seen that kind of dramatic effect employed in, in TV and movies where the, the protagonist wakes up not realizing where they are just With the conscious thoughts that they had. So. Usagi. Puts her mind at rest. And when. Noriyuki who is hanging around outside. Hears that she is awake. He comes rushing in. And seeing that he's safe. Helps put her at ease along with what Usagi is saying. And so Tomo. uh, Immediately takes up the role again. Of the protecting. Vassal. And indicates that since everyone's okay, we we have to go now. We can't stop and let them catch up with us. Lord Noriyuki tells her no. uh, And and to ensure that she continues to rest, he takes the Alpha position as the new lord of the Gaishu clan and tells her, you know, as your lord, uh, you must do what I say, and I am saying that you must rest. And besides... Usagi and I have already talked about it and he is going to take me the rest of the way to Edo safe and then when you are healthy enough you come to or if not by the time I get there I will send people back to to get you. So either way Usagi and I are going and you're staying here to rest. So they do indeed continue on their way Uh, now it's Usagi and Noriyuki Usagi Um, again, without much fanfare, having taken on this role of hero uh, to protect Tomo and Noriyuki. Because they're being followed by Hikiji, it's interesting to me that he automatically assumes that Tomo and Noriyuki are in the right and Hikiji is in the wrong, so he takes their side. Usagi is not going to take the side of wrong, you know, being the hero, that's not that's not what he's going to do. And it's interesting, in this case, it, it never occurs that he may be wrong in taking their side. Because as Hikiji on the other side, Tomo and Noriyuki are automatically right, and so Usagi will take up their side with them. I find that kind of interesting. As they continue on, um, they are, they again being Usagi and Noriyuki, are beset, by members of what we find out are the Neko Ninja Clan who appear predominantly as cats. And Mr. Sakai introduces us to another word. It's, it's a single word that Usagi utters when they are first attacked and it is Shinobi uh, showing that our definition for our usage is going to be Ninja. Nine nine ninja, uh, it looks like. So again, Usagi just wades right in. Absolutely no question as, as to his ability to defeat these these ninja. Several, several panels of multiple combat. We see him take on three and dispatch them at one time, all brandishing swords. Um, a few panels later, we see that they are using a sword and Uh, another weapon that I'm not familiar with I should have done some research into the weapon I, I apologize it looks like a scythe or a sickle on one end and it's connected by a chain to a weighted end and I know that I have seen the weapon but at this point I don't recall the name of it I apologize for that so he dispatches these two ninja and there's only one left Usagi during the battle with the ninja with the, the chained weapon lost his primary sword and now has drawn his secondary which which I believe is called a wakazashi again I apologize for, for not being 100% sure that's another another thing I should have researched that escaped my notice and as he's attacking the ninja at first thought that he had Usagi because he was swordless but Usagi pulls the second sword and the ninja pulls a device from his back that is full of probably pepper by the looks of it because he throws it into Usagi's eyes and temporarily blinds Usagi so now Usagi is attempting to continue fighting he knew where the ninja was so even without his eyes he was able to hurdle the ninja but once he reaches his feet behind the ninja he trips over a body that he was not aware that was there not being able to see he falls and is at the mercy of the ninja that approaches to kill him but suddenly lord noriyuki who has appropriated a fallen sword runs the ninja through thus saving usagi as usagi is is uh, giving thanks and and he and noriyuki are exchanging some some banter about the battle uh, the duo is approached by several other samurai on horseback with several accompanying on foot and we find Noriyuki who again as the child the role is flipped in that he is now the protector of Usagi at least in this panel because Usagi is blind and, and he can't fight right now but its it, it doesn't matter because these are vassals of Lord Noriyuki that when he did not arrive at a predetermined time at the castle they went out searching for him and, and just now have found him. So they are... Usagi and Noriyuki are escorted back to the Gaishu mansion by this group of his own samurai so nothing else happens. Looks like the, the fighting is over. They, they reached their goal. A week later we see that Tomoami is recovered enough and she presents herself to Lord Noriyuki and asks of Usagi uh, Noriyuki indicates that he left uh, soon after they arrived and so she immediately runs out uh, maybe hoping to catch him but kind of in a, uh, just in a gesture she rides out and then stops and just offers to the wind hoping that Usagi will hear it or feel it thank you for my lord's life and the last panel of the the story of Usagi we see him standing in a field of flowers looking up at the full moon um, happily so he he is content with everything what he's gone through, who, who he is where he is, everything like that in the one panel the very last page of the story we see a meeting between Counselor Hebi and Lord Hikiji. Now again I indicated. Lord Hikiji is a human, a rather evil looking human, but he's human. And Counselor Hebi is a large snake. So they're discussing what has transpired. Hikiji asked is asking, you know, was our campaign against Noriyuki successful? And Lord Hebi indicates no. Hikiji offers, Well, was it because of the samurai that accompanied Noriyuki? And Hebi says, yes, it was because of a samurai, but not because of Noriyuki's retainer. It was this ronin samurai who apparently goes by the same mayamata Usagi. And that's where the story ends. Uh, Lord Hikiji, the, the appearance of his face, you can't really tell. Maybe he recognizes the name. Maybe he doesn't. Not really sure. Um, at the time of the battle where his lord Mafuni was uh, was killed not sure that he that Usagi was high enough that a an opposing lord or an opposing general would have known his name so it's it's kind of hard to tell at this point if Hikiji recognizes the name, but we do know that from now on Hikiji will always be ever able to reference if he hears the name again to this instance where that name prevented me from killing my rival Lord Noriyuki. So at the very least this is the start of his knowledge of the name Mayamoto Usagi if he does not already possess some of that knowledge. And so that finishes up our tale of Lone Rabbit and Child. Now I've already, uh, we've talked about the characters that were introduced and the terms that were introduced. Some notes, uh, some, some things that I noted that I wanted to, to talk about. A, a couple things, definitely. One is the introduction in this story of the Tokagi, or the, the small lizards that Mr. Sakai likes to, to draw in these stories. Now, through interviews, I have found out that Stan Sakai enjoys drawing dinosaurs. But... In a story that is set in a more realistic world of medieval Edo period Japan with anthropomorphic, or as Stan calls them, funny animals, drawing dinosaurs is a little difficult because dinosaurs just r- really don't fit in. It's, you know, cats and dogs and rats and snakes and things like that. So, what he did is he decided he was going to draw these small little dinosaurs when he could, taking the place ecologically in the niche that would be occupied by scavengers such as rats and mice so whenever we see these little lizards they're running around scavenging in the forest or in the you know the back alleys of the houses or in those places that normally we would see rats and mice and it turns out that they might not appear in every single story that he writes but they appear in many over and over again in the story and this being the second story this is the first place that those little guys actually appear so already we're starting something that's going to be running throughout the course of him writing and drawing Usagi already in the second published story and they're used at times for comedic relief uh, in In a four panel page during the battle between Usagi and the Neko Ninja clan, uh, we see one of these little Tokagi uh, raises head up from the side of a bridge that they 're fighting on, and then in question, and then we see the little guy kind of exclaim when he realizes what happens and then he squawks out loudly as Usagi is, is dramatically killing the ninja, and then his head just ducks back down, having been frightened and not wanting to be a part of what's happening. So, a little bit of comic relief is used there. Uh, they appear in several other instances. Uh, one instance in the woods, as we would see, say, uh, chipmunks or something like that. They're trying to gather around the fire that Usagi lit while he was tending to Tomo's injuries after she was uh, pulled from the riverbank. So they're used to various effects. Also something I noticed, which was kind of interesting, at the beginning of the story, when Tomo first runs across Usagi in the uh, shack there in the woods... Usagi is accompanied by a puppy. Just a, you know, kind of a little cutely drawn puppy. And as Tomo and Noriyuki approach, the puppy growls at them. Maybe that's what told Usagi, you know, something was wrong. I suspect Usagi already knew, being that he's like the hero and the man, and, you know, so. But, interestingly enough, first, this dog is accompanying him. And then as time goes by, the dog attaches itself to Lord Noriyuki. We see a little bit later that it's in Noriyuki's lap, uh, licking and playing as a puppy normally does. And so then it becomes one of the protectors of the young panda cub, Lord Noriyuki. And so we see as Noriyuki, from that point on, is threatened, that this small puppy now takes on more aggressive poses to protect Noriyuki. It runs with Tomo and Noriyuki down towards the uh, ferryman dock to uh, to presumably get on the boat with them. It's concerned when they finally find Tomo after she has fallen into the river. At the very end, when Tomo presents herself officially to Lord Noriyuki, he's sitting on a small bench in front of everyone slightly elevated, sitting right next to him on that bench is that puppy. So, uh, probably to me the most interesting thing will be to watch if Lord Noriyuki is used again, which I assume he will be. uh, Where is this puppy? Does Stan continue to draw them in tandem, or is is the appearance of this puppy just a one-off for this episode? Well, you know, not necessarily a big deal, but just kind of an interesting thing in my mind, to see if it's if, if he uh, continues to carry it over. All right, guys, I think that's about all that I really have to say. Uh, it's probably enough on this episode, isn't it? So, if you uh, do have any questions for me or want to leave any kind of feedback, the Gmail, uh, excuse me, email that you can use is usagipodcast, one word, at gmail.com. The website for the show and also a place that you can leave comments just as Mr. Hubble did, is the readerfeed.com, all one word. And please, by all means, if you do use iTunes to download the podcast, leave a quick little review. Uh, it'll help draw people to the podcast. It'll help people find the podcast. That'll help them, but in all honesty, it'll help me uh, as, as a podcaster. You know, it's kind of gratifying, reassuring to know that there are people listening. Uh, that's one of the reasons I particularly like the feedback, good or bad, at least it tells me that whoever it is took the time to listen to the show and and were uh, of the opinion strongly enough that they felt like they needed to respond to something. So I I personally enjoy that kind of thing. I do want to thank on the way out here uh, Mr. Derek Coward. He is the host of Comic Book Noise and the Deliberate Noise Network, which the Reader Feed is a part of. Uh, He also is is one of my definite go-to people in podcasting. I've been listening to him for many years now, and he has uh, helped and, and guided me along when I had questions and issues, and I appreciate that. want to thank Mr. Hubble again for his feedback that I uh, talked about early in the episode, and also want to thank all of you guys that are listening uh, just to let you know that I appreciate it. There's a million podcasts out there, and I thank you for taking the time to listen to mine. Only other thing I want to say is that uh, this is a Teal production, and I will see you guys around next time. Bye.